you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. We, we get a lot of mail these days, and so it's all pretty interesting. Of course, I read every piece of it and use it for wallpaper. Then I can just I can just sit in my room and read all these people telling me how great I am. <laughs> Actually, that's that's the whole point is I don't read it anymore. Um, and every once in a while, uh, some will get through. And one of them was from a, a convicted uh, rapist. And he said how great our music was. So I wrote this song called, uh, Not For You. And away we go. You're listening to Live On Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossip! Fucking camera in the jump. everybody now welcome to live on four legs a definitive live pearl jam podcast we are getting there we are so close it's eight days away if you're listening to this on wednesday when this comes out this is eight days away until we get actual shows again quebec city next week and then ottawa and then hamilton and then toronto then you're going to the states look I know that they were just on tour. I know a lot of things happened, and it seems a little bit quiet right now. I know that there was a a GA ticket drop, but that kind of came and went. And now I think it's time to really start getting into it and really start preparing. So that's what we're going to do today. We are going to focus on the city that they will attend last on this little tour, and that's Denver, by doing the Denver 1994 Night 2 show. Let's get right into it. Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there. Hello, hello. So how about that? Eight days away. Eight days away, and we've got, what, another three weeks or so of, of Pearl Jam shows? They're going to be coming fast and furious, you know. They had, they've had some bad luck this year, and it, it would really be great if they could get through this one unscathed, and we, we, we'd be lucky enough to get all these shows. I mean, we're all hoping for it, and yep. like that that's obviously, you talk about risks, you talk about just sort of the what-ifs, and right now, don't really want to talk about that, because it just feels like you're on a fresh slate again, especially that they are in the States, but North America, I should say. But I feel like it's just springing up on people. And this month in between 
really happened kind of fast and we were just the talking days, about this dog days of august that that's that's right always drags on yeah yeah we were just talking about it before you, you kind of said hey they're pretty soon right and like yeah they're they're really soon and I, just just like always just like the last two legs we're gonna be up to date with the reviews and and doing the recaps on the concertpedia and doing the stuff on patreon as well and it might end up being a little bit different because we are going to be a lot of those shows especially i'm going to be attending a lot that john isn't going to attend so we're going to have to figure out a way to do a lot of different things from the live streams on facebook to twitter stuff to the stuff for for patreon as well like there's a lot to do and there's a lot of excitement not only that but i do want to capture some footage for this little documentary i'm still working on so it's just a lot of stuff and hopefully you guys are getting excited for it hopefully something like this if you are going to that denver show will get you pumped up for denver i know it's not for a little while probably a little over a month at this point, but it's still something. Now, this is an interesting show because 1994 is a really, really interesting year. You're less than six months from verses being released from pretty substantial tour that they did throughout the Southwest and, and the West Coast, pretty much that area over there in 1993, like October, November, December. They were playing a lot during that time and this is again not much of a break here but it feels like there was a huge transition in between these couple months where they were off they were able to go off and and do something and start writing and start getting inspired and by the time 1994 comes around they're like okay well versus is kind of in the past now we're thinking about something a little bit new yeah i mean it's it's a big transition from like 93 to 94. This begins kind of a very eventful spring for them. You know, we've kind of talked about all the stuff that went on later on in March and April. And yeah, you're you're starting to get new songs pop up and we're going to get a debut here of an absolute classic. So they're already kind of looking forward, you know, even though, like, like you said, less than six months since Versus has been out, they're already looking towards the next thing. Yeah, and I think that's always been one of the most intriguing things about this band, especially in 1994 and 1993, where these songs don't quite have names yet. Like, they mentioned Not For You in this, and that's probably the only reason why people know its name. But, like, other songs like Tremor Christ, nobody really knew the name of. Last Exit, nobody really knew the name of. So you're getting introduced to these things, and people are like, huh, okay. What is this? And then later down the line, people are like, oh, Corduroy and Spin the Black Circle and Not For You all debuted before the album came out. Let me get my hands on those. And they became highly coveted after that. Yeah, you're getting new songs and, you know, it became part of the thing, too, where like kind of the classic bootlegger thing of like, we don't know what these are called. So they would try to guess the titles and you'd see it on the back of the thing and be like, oh, man, what is that? But didn't last long, you know, until until that we wouldn't have to wait long for that album. So you wanted all the 93 and 94 shows you could get your hands on. I mean, they were the best live band in the world at that point. Every show was unique. The intensity, the ferocity, all of it, they were just peaking at the right time. So any recordings from late 93, early 94, you wanted all of it. I love all these shows. So there is a little bit of history about why this show happened and why it wasn't one night 
in Colorado. And it's interesting that these are in the beginning of the tour because I'm wondering if these were late ads to this whole situation because we can get into what the tour itinerary was in a second, which is very, very strange. But they started off the tour on March 6th and they did in Denver and then they went back the next night and did the same place, the Paramount Theater. And the reason why they did two nights in Denver is because in late 93, they were scheduled to play three nights in a row at CU Boulder. But they played the first two nights. The third night was canceled by the university because they thought Ed was apparently inciting fans to confront security personnel during the show. And Ed called a local radio station and said the college was shortchanging the fans and they vowed to never play there again. And here we are three months later. This is how we're opening up the tour to make up for all that. So, yeah, the two dates in front here are definitely the makeup for all of that. But then you got to think of in the next coming days where they would be. They're transferring from Denver down where, John? They had a day off and then ended up in Pensacola, Florida which is quite a trek for one day off, even with that day off, that, that's a haul. And then the immediately the day after that, they were playing in Chicago. So I don't know who, if, if they were letting Mike or Dave run the tour itinerary there, but <laughs> that is not something that, that any band would venture to do on purpose normally. So I have a feeling it was they wanted to play that Rock for Choice benefit in Pensacola, and they were like, we got to go do that thing, so let's just let's make it work. And then... Yeah, how about Colorado getting four shows in just over three months in 1994? Those are some lucky fans that made it to all those. Yeah, absolutely. And now when you think about Denver, especially because Denver is the the spot to go to, it got a show in like 2003. I think it got a show in 2006, but I believe that was one of the Tom Petty shows, if I'm not mistaken, right? Sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think it got ignored for a little while until 2014. And that ended up being a massive show, which everybody knows about. They played like 38 songs. They did partial slow Luke in. They busted out rarities that they usually don't. I don't know why we haven't done that show before. Probably because there are 38 songs and it would take us a long time to do it. But I mean, it's, it's on the radar. We know about it, obviously. But now you're looking at right now, that was the last time that they were there. So we're, we're thinking about eight years since they have played in Denver and it feels like that stretch has kind of become, you know, long after when they played four shows in the span of five months or so that they waited about eight years before they went back there and they haven't toured enough. Look, it was supposed to be six years. They haven't toured enough for you to say, okay, eight years is way too long. Like you get it. They don't really go that way anyway, but you know, just needs to be said. So I think we can break right into the show here, but I think there's something that we need to preface before getting into the show, and that is quality of bootleg. It is not superb. I would put it as below average, but there are points where it's pretty okay. Sometimes it overmodulates. Sometimes it gets really loud. We also have a couple songs in here that are supposed to be in the set but aren't because we you have to think 1994 this is really when obviously there's no official bootlegs yet this is really when tapers are going and 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 taping everything at the show and not everybody's gonna get every single song they gotta flip the tape they gotta flip the the videotape whatever they have to do 
and that's why we're missing a couple here. We're, we're missing Breath, which was the fourth song in the set. We're missing Why Go. I think we'll have to wait to get into Why Go and the situation there, because it's very, very weird. That's more of like historical cataloging wise. And then we don't get Alive. However, we do get the tag coming out of Alive. So yep, yep. little bits and pieces that are interesting. What we do have is, is very good, though, and that's what we'll start with. Oceans is going to open the show. Why? I mean, they don't have any songs about snow, so you might as well go with Oceans for some reason. for anybody that was keeping numbers with it or looking back and, and knowing what the opener arsenal was. And this feels like one of the rarest of the bunch. It even feels like, because Wash was utilized way more than Oceans was back then. So Oceans is starting to become like the every few nights, more like five or six nights, seven nights, something like that, or, or maybe not even more than like twice, three times a tour right here. Yeah, I think it had been 10 shows since they played it. But yeah, we just did that that Patreon episode for Dobbs. And coming off of that Oceans, which was just spectacular. This one, I, I was excited to hear. And I always like Oceans whenever it pops up. But this one, like, it was good, but it didn't have that kind of soaring quality that the one we just listened to did. I did notice that Dave was playing with the mallets, with the big, like, ends of the sticks instead of just regular drumsticks to give it some extra timpani kind of weighted sound there so added to a little bit of it but oceans is more just like a gateway opener it doesn't have the weight of like a release or a long road or something it's not one of like that's going to kick in fast so i think of it as like more of a transitionary type of opener but but it was good yeah, gateway openers is the best way to put that, and that's kind of how I feel with sometimes, like very, very early on, yeah, because it just had that slow tiptoe, and the crowd was kind of like, eh, on it. Like and They're both short, they're of, like less than three minutes. Like Right, yeah. right, they work, but it's kind of like the tune-up, the warm-up, and now it's going to be, okay, here we go, it's going animal back-to-back, back. and that's when you really get the crowd, okay, the crowd's going to go during these, but Oceans is meant to be that being a transition and being sort of the guide to the show to ease you in i think that's okay i think that's that's an okay position to be this version was just a, a way to get you into what the rest of the set's going to be so that's where go and animal are both furious pace right off the bat mike solo is really loud on this it it nearly overmodulated when i talked about the overmodulation of of the sound you wish you could appreciate that on more of a clean level because it just got really uncomfortably loud yeah and your headphones were listening to it this bootleg is coming from a vhs like the video was the origin of all of this and there is like a a partial video on youtube that you can see 
and all the the bootleg audio that we have for this was ripped from the VHS. So VHS recorders were not meant to record loud concert audio. True. You yeah. Know, so you're you're working with whatever probably onboard microphone was on the, the oh, VHS I would, recorders. So. I would just assume one of those shitty little front front of camera yeah. microphones yeah, with the probably yeah. So better than nothing. But you're dealing with an origin of a VHS here, so you, you have to work with what you have. As for a going animal? Very good. I thought, like I said, Mike had a really good solo. There was a cool moment with Stone and Ed at the end of Go, where they're kind of playing off each other. The crowd loved it. And Stone, I think, too, I think the camera, too, whoever's filming this was really into watching Stone. So you got a lot of Stone footage on Go and Animal, which kind of highlighted his groove there. So, yeah, good versions. You know, that was the pair you were getting, right? You could get Go and Animal around this time paired up. So, yeah, it works really well. Yeah, there was a lot of electricity on stage. It seemed like because this is the second night, like they still have that energy that they're running off from the first night. It's like, all right, we're back. We're pretty happy. 1994 wouldn't all be smiles and happiness. Like there are a lot of shows where they're dealing with issues or they're dealing with the death of Kurt Cobain. And in this early onset of the shows, it, it, it seems like they are allowed to let loose a little bit until shit like bomb threats and getting their locker room stormed or something. Uh, They're going to let loose later on. Don't worry. Yeah, of course. But this point they are enjoying their time and it feels like you can kind of sense the change within the middle of 1994 where it's like, okay, yeah, maybe we're going to take it a little bit more easy. Now the shows are still going to be amazing, but I don't think you see this energy as much through the end of 1994 and into 95 and 96 kind of deal. So a little bit of a a last effort on that, I suppose too. I think this was kind of the end of the theater era because you know, you're, you get up to soldier field in 95 and everything kind of changes. It's like they kind of like worked their way up and they, they really wouldn't go back to this. So these shows are really special for that too. Like they're still close to the audience, they're still, you know, able to kind of interact with the people and go out and do things. So, yeah, these are intense shows. There's just a lot of stuff going on on stage with Jeff and Stone bouncing up off each other. Cool. And, yeah, Dave A is showing his madness during Animal. There's a towel guy. I I know he's a crew member, but I'm calling him the towel guy that just comes in and just sort of waltz right behind Stone. It was just really casual like that wouldn't happen nowadays you just kind of snuck up on the stage he's like all right hey guys what are you doing all right i'll go backstage it was very weird but very funny this is where breath was supposed to be right here we don't have the performance of it however what we can talk about with breath is that being the fourth song in we we know this from very recent is that they use this in London as the third song in. So hearing it at that number three spot a month ago made me think like that never happens. That almost never happens because usually nowadays it's more of like a later in the set or something like that, like an encore song. But yeah, you'd never think of this as an early set song, but here it is. And it wouldn't be played much more after this. So you really have to covet these versions. And unfortunately, we don't have it, but... Yeah, this is kind of nearing the end of of the breath run. Yeah, you know, on paper, this is very strange to get breath in the number four spot after going animal. But 
just sucks, you know, you wish you could go back and tell the person recording the VHS, hey man, you gotta keep going, because you, you know, 25 years from now, we're really gonna want to hear this, but yeah. yeah, they only did it four or five more times this year, and then it disappeared until the infamous 1998 MSG show. For for a second, and, and I'm not gonna leave this for Patreon, just I want to say for a second that everybody deserves a huge round of applause and a huge thank you for contributing to our breath campaign and what we're going to be doing in Madison square garden. And that is we're we're bringing the signs and we went and asked everybody for contributions and donations and people were more than happy to do it. And we, we met our goal and it's very cool. I'm, I'm really happy with it. And I just can't wait until that day to see when we're handing them out to see people looking at them and there will be all sorts of people. There'll be people that know it. There'll be people that were there that remember that might have the sign from 1998. Then there are people that are like, I'm a recent Pearl Jam fan. What is this about? And then you can kind of get to learn about it a little bit and be in on the experience on this. So recreating history is just as good as, as making history. And it's not that, we want this to be exactly the same as 1998, but I think the idea of giving the band sort of a flashback is pretty cool in perspective, and we'll see how it plays out. Maybe he sees all the, the signs in the front, he's like, oh, you guys are stupid, and doesn't think anything of it, or doesn't even mention it. But, you know, if this all works out, then I think that it's going to make for another great moment. So that's that's all we're hoping for yeah, here. Yeah, I mean, hopefully you're, you're going to get to hear a really good song. You know, Breath is is one that we don't get to hear often. But I think, too, if you were doing this in, in 2000 or 2003, then, yeah, it's probably it's probably too soon. You should probably let that moment it's 24 sit. years. But yeah, we're looking at, you're looking, yeah, almost 25 it's years. The since, exact uh, date. Yeah. Yeah, so, and there's no better situation. They, they knew what they were doing when they scheduled that. They brought this on themselves, so. Exactly. Just one thing I want to mention, and we're going to end up fixing all of this, but... Five Horizons and what ended up being Five Horizons kind of trickled down to live footsteps and also and a lot of other places. Yeah. Pearljam.com cough cough. <laughs> Pearljam.com probably being the 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 most serious offensive of all of them. They have why go in their set list three times, believe it or not. Yeah. And all the other ones like Live Footsteps and, and Five Horizons have it in the set twice. And what it says here is it says breath going into why go. And then it has rear view mirror going into why go as well. Is that the original spot for it? Or was it before rear view mirror or was it after Jeremy? I, that was something I can't quite remember because there is original set list for this. Yeah. It's, it's after rear view mirror. Uh, that's, okay. in, that's in the right spot. Why go was not played twice at this show. We can, no. we can confirm this is not, it was not a why go reprise. Exactly. So we're going to have to get with the usual suspects and, and take care of that. And you know, when, when we get to, to 1994 on our concert PD on live we'll, we'll get it taken care of as well. All right. The next two songs in the set list, which are six and seven on paper, but really five and six are blood going into garden Two completely different songs that are both excellent in their own way to get blood very early in the set doesn't happen that often but yeah you can see ed just go for it here
entire stage is bouncing. Everybody's running around. There's this amazing visual of Jeff jumping on top of Dave's bass drum and just rocking out with Dave. Ed throws his jacket into the crowd. It's just a full three-ring circus and a very early show stealer. And the crowd seems floored by it. And really, this could have ended a set and no one would have batted an eye, but makes the early part of the set even stronger. Such a unique transition. Another reason that I wish we had breath was like, let me hear breath into blood here, because blood is absolute chaos, like you mentioned. Especially to, you know, 1994, you're getting a lot of stationary head, and he's just standing in front of the microphone. He's not doing a lot of the thrashing around that he was doing early on, but for this, near the end of it, he absolutely freaks out and just starts going crazy on stage. It's a really intense visual, and yeah, this absolutely could have ended the set. It's a it's a showstopper version here at number five. Love Garden here having the lights turned down to fit the, the mood of the song, and the drums feel really sparse in this version. In the verse, the drums just kind of drop out, and all you hear is just this kind of quick snare hit, and that's kind of your only fill, but then when they build up and they rise into the chorus, it just gets really heavy. And I think we mentioned before how Garden can come off as maybe Pearl Jam's most metal song. This version, if you're kind of arguing that, I think you'd throw this version in and say this is a good example of what that could be. Oh yeah, it's a headbanger. and uh, Which Ed is doing all on his own. Oh yeah. And I really like the ending of this as well. It really ended up in a nice place they they do a really good kind of jam on the end of it stone's so, yeah. breath keeps going on and on in this just yeah. a master class yet another reason breath obviously another really heavy stone groove song him getting a lot of him feature early in this but again like so weird on paper going from oceans go to animal breath into blood into garden like that just seems like it would not make any sense no, and outside of all that, all these songs kind of being implemented because there's one glaring omission from the set, and that's even flow that's not yeah. in the set at all. So night you would two. think it's a, yeah, right. They I play night one, a night four, I guess. If you're, <laughs> if you're really going for it, sure for the locals. But I, you know, there are other things and other songs and places that even flow could be, which would usually be around here for for this era, but. Instead of that, they're going to go with something else that's going to be a little bit groundbreaking. So, Ed is addressing the crowd. This is really the first time he does outside of like a couple of high and wow, great. That's it. But we get a lot of mail these days. It's all pretty interesting. Of course, I read every piece of it and then use it for wallpaper. I can just sit in my room and read about all these people telling me about how great I am. And that's the whole point of why I don't read them anymore. Some of them will get through them. One of them was from a convicted rapist that said how great our music was. So I wrote this song called Not For You.
this perspective, I don't think, and, and that's why it's so interesting how Ed puts his songs together, is that you would never expect from the lyrics that Not For You was telling a convicted rapist that it wasn't for him. It was just kind of a, in a general sense. Yeah, I mean, that's because he's a, he's a really good songwriter and is able to kind of, yeah, exactly. He's able to kind of put it on this metaphor and make it vague enough where it's not going to sound petty. It's, he's going to make it more overarching and more powerful in that way. But from the first time I heard this, there was a period of time, I think, from the first time I heard Not For You, probably on Saturday Night Live, up until No Code came out, like, this was my favorite Pearl Jam song. And this version is absolutely unbelievable for the first time debuting. And, you know, a lot of debuts we talked about, I think both The Last Exit and The Tremor Christ debut are a little spotty here and there. But this absolutely rocks. Like, it came out of the gates swinging and did not miss. It's the debut. It, you know, Saturday Night Live is probably the gold standard of this year. But this one, for being the first one, is cool. Very, very good. There's one moment where he leans back to just strum and open up that chorus there, and it sounds really, really good. This is a fantastic performance. Glad we got to hear it. Yeah, I was watching Ed play guitar on this, and it's because he only had one to his name that he really played, and there's a couple like covers and stuff like that, like I'm a Patriot when he did it in 1992, and then the next night when they're in Pensacola, he would do I Won't Back Down, but he didn't play a lot at this point. Seeing him play and sort of just, you know, his attitude when he plays guitar differently from when he stands in a mic, he seems more composed he seems more comfortable almost in a way like and then you get to see how excited he is just to play the song it's a brand new song he just looks loose he looks comfortable and then letting the vocals just get angrier and angrier you can tell midway through you're like whoa this is a song that after ed finished it and it's not a complicated song in the least not at all it's one of their easiest songs to play, you would think. There's like one change, and that's it. You have to think that after he finished writing this, he was so proud of himself that he did it, that maybe it gave him the confidence to write most of the other songs that he wrote on Vitalogy. Yeah, I wonder if this was, you know, one that kind of opened up the floodgates a little bit and definitely gave him the confidence. And there's a moment in this, too. It's kind of that that moment when he leans back, like the one that I mentioned where he leans back and really like kind of does the hard strumming for a minute and really gets into it. It added such a different element to their songwriting, having him as like this third kind of guitar, I won't say weapon, but like accent. It, it gave them so much, many more options of things to do. And the songwriting on Vitalogy is such a leap even from what Ten and Verses were. It's a lot more diverse. The songs are getting a little more melodic and they're using different things. And it's just Vitalogy, I think, was a big leap musically. And a lot of that had to do with Ed playing guitar, writing more songs, different people, like becoming more of a collaborative thing. And yeah, this encompasses all of that. It's very, very good. 
Yeah, I, I can't agree more. And it's just, again, it's just the reaction and watching them out there and seeing that for the first time that they're able to do this. And you know that they're working on it. And Ed is, this is going to be the Vitalogy song that they play the most in 1994, I believe. Maybe Whipping is up there, but this was played 18 times that year. Yeah. No wonder why it got played at SNL. They love yeah. it. They love it to death. And it's obviously, you know, featured very highly on the record because it's the number three track. But just watching them play it and seeing seeing him react and seeing his eyes bug out when he's screaming, this is not for you. It's at high capacity. It almost makes blood look like a damn chump in this show. <laughs> it really does. Up. Yeah, it's a step up. And even the outro, the little pretty like thing that does, that's really cool here as well. It's not just him. There's like a little bit of a groove to that and like they kind of like add a little bit to it that was really cool too i wish they had kept that for the studio version and kind of let that go for a little longer because on that it's just kind of head and it kind of fades out at the end but they were all on that here and it sounded really good not for you is probably coming back in both of the top threes just keeping that out there and why wouldn't it yeah yeah. However, we do have other stuff to talk about. I think we could have gone on another 15 minutes right there. But Rearview Mirror, and then in parentheses, I guess you want to put Why Go as the ghost song, and then into Jeremy. And I was thinking about SNL when I was thinking about this version of Rearview Mirror because it's it's a little preview of what we would get in a month's time. And the intro was extended a little bit and then just kind of rips apart. Like Ed's got this lightning strumming going on. There's not a lot of bridge here, but in 1994, I don't think they were going in that direction just yet. I think it was more starting in 1995 thing and, and really Soldier Field sort of being the first prominent one where they're doing that. Not the first, but maybe the first prominent. And it just gained so much momentum and, and rode with it up until the end. Just, you know, really tight show-stopping version. Ed and Stone get to play off each other a lot. And yeah, just there's been a couple massive moments. This is the eighth song in, and there have already been like three massive, massive moments in this show. Yeah, that's pretty spectacular. for the middle of the set here and yeah there's a moment too i think mike even goes over to to stone at one point and they kind of play together and like hey what are you doing hey what are you doing they kind of like lock in together and have a little moment that was, that was fun to see but yeah again you know they're packaged here because you know ed puts on the guitar for not for you so they're gonna yep. they're gonna piggyback rearview mirror off that to give him a chance to play guitar again before he has to put it back down yep that's right 
going into Jeremy, obviously, why go? We have zero information for in a spot where why go can usually be. So I'm guessing that Dave drummed really hard on it. That's the only thing that I can say for that. And maybe Mike had a really good solo as well. Probably all those things. So that's why we moved to Jeremy. And, and this version of Jeremy, like, I love when in this era, especially like 1993 through 1995, they change things up and they just make things a little bit differently. Sometimes going into the first chorus, he won't sing the lyrics at all. He'll just kind of let it go and maybe do a little bit of vocal harmonizing behind it. But this version of Jeremy has two interesting facets that make the song different and kind of not stay stagnant around this era. One is that they don't even have a first chorus at all in this. It goes right from the first verse into the second verse, which is fascinating. And then of course, Ed screaming that daddy didn't give attention line, like get, getting emotive and just kind of going crazy with that. And yeah, it, the version also gets fast and intense, feeding off energy and sort of letting it ride all that wave of momentum. Everything balanced really, really well in the set so far. And I think it's exa exactly what the crowd wants out of the biggest hit song. This one absolutely had like a stomp to it, I thought. That's Dave as well. Sounded really good on this, hitting all the right accents and accentuating all the, the right moments in it. But yeah, as far as, you know, taking out choruses and rearranging the kind of structure of it, you know, I gotta think the reason they did that, it really gives the end of the song a lot more impact when that comes in. Cause like, you know, you're kind of, you're delaying that gratification, right? You're not giving them that first, chorus to like latch on to you like no nope, right. you gotta you gotta wait for it so when it hits later on in the song it, it really is that crowd moment because like oh we gotta oh we gotta wait for it, and it i think it it really added a lot to it live they were smart to do that yeah and look i think from hearing it so often especially on mtb on radio at the time it's while obviously you would love to hear a pearl jam song anywhere at that time it can get redundant. Like it's a very sort of like it kind of goes up and, and you kind of know it. And it's also probably the one song that your non Pearl Jam fan friend kind of does the fake Eddie voice to. And that you probably video, say, all yep. right, that's, yep. that's a little annoying. So I'm kind of done with that. So yeah, changing it up a little bit and making it sound different and kind of keeping you in suspense for when they actually hit it, it, it does make it so much better and it makes that moment feel kind of cathartic in a way. So Ed says, we're going to Florida tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Driving all the way down. I mean, no time to rest. I'm sure that's right a after the show. Driving like there is, that's a serious trek across the country. Yeah, right after the show, dump a bucket of water on yourself, change your clothes, and get back in the van. Huh. 
Yeah, a year ago on March 10th, which would be the day that they were in Chicago, I believe, this guy shot this doctor outside of this Planned Parenthood clinic in Pensacola. The doctor's name is David Gunn. I've had a lot of conversations with his son. It's not this name in the newspaper anymore. It's a real person. To see this guy lose his father, we're going to go down. It should be a little bit intense got to fight for your right and i'm thinking of him already so this one's for him and we're gonna go into a live which we don't have but we do have a tag of and then we have porch as well which is something we can kind of get into and dig our teeth into on that but yeah look for anybody that says that the band should stick to rock and roll should probably listen to this and know that this has been how many times like it feels like we're repeating ourselves a broken record here like they've been political and they've been activists since day one yeah nothing new hundreds hundreds and hundreds of times yep especially with pro-choice and abortion rights and all that so of course it all comes back around to now are we going to get some bad radio teases in the fall here? Is he going to bring that back? I highly doubt it. But <laughs> if 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 they do, then I guess we have to you know put something on the line for it. So if they do, I'll let you take my position on the show and, and host the thing while yeah, yeah, while yeah. I be John. How about that? Sounds good. Okay. I'm hold you to it. All right. We'll we'll talk when we when we have to. So Alive is cut off, and yeah, like like you mentioned, John, Sick of Pussies is the tag after here. The whole, my body's nobody's body but mine. That we talked about a long time ago, very, very long time ago, was like a children's song originally i can't remember the name of the guy that did it but one of those like children's performers and the whole point of having that song was that kids could say to their adults to their parents or you know a family member or something like that okay enough is enough they can say no if they don't want to be tickled if they don't want to you know get noogies or something like that they're able to stand up for themselves and i guess in a way that's kind of the same in this situation here because sick of pussies has that same you know within more of an adult standard but it does tie into the pro-choice thing oh definitely and it's about you know being in control of of your own body and like that's something that still is important to teach to little kids, obviously. But here, you know, he's tying it into the Rock for Choice thing, the David Gunn, Pensacola thing. I think that's, that's why this is here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's no yeah. doubt about that. Porch is actually going to end your set, believe it or not. That's like 12-song main yep. set here. Yep. That's pretty crazy. But Porch is definitely a talking point. It's definitely a highlight. Now... Stone is just doing that shortened strum and pluck on this, and it's setting that tone, it's setting the pace, and it's allowing for the song just to just to break out. And it does. And obviously, you know, you're gonna get Mike is gonna have his moment in this. He does a little bit of a voodoo child tag, and you know, the the big top moment where you really get to ramp up in the solo is getting the strobe light action, and it just brings a lot of intensity into the visual of it, and then it starts going off and screaming during that point. Oh. So, yeah, what uh, I couldn't really make out a lot of it, and it didn't seem like there was any sort of song attachment, but what did you kind of think of that? 
what did I think of, of a version of Porch in 1994? Well, oh, you, you, okay. You can, you can guess. No, I, I was saying like what what Ed was doing during. Yeah, I I, I couldn't like 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 you. I, like I couldn't make out what he was screaming. You know, it was too much for the the VHS microphone to handle it for the good quality. But he's very into whatever he's doing, and it gets super intense here. I'm guessing again, it's going to tie back to it has something to do with probably abortion rights and a rock for choice. I'm going to guess there's probably a little bit of that in there since that was on his mind and we know that once something's on his mind he's going to go for it but it also could be related to the unique tag that we get here on porch that we don't usually talk about on this song can you think of anything with the lyrics that might start he won the lottery when he was born there's usually but this isn't daughter though so i like it can't be that well breaking news Back from 1994 here, almost a full 30 years later, yeah, WMA was tagged off of porch and not daughter. And it works. It sounds really good. It works really well. Yeah, and we'll talk about the daughter tag in a little bit because that's going to be yeah. another Versus oh, song, yeah. believe it yep. or not. And even the, the the night before, we can mention what was tagged off daughter the night before. But holy moly, this gets intense. And, and you can kind of hear this. And, and, and it's the same way the progression happens at the end of the porch where he's kind of like he makes it fit the mold of porch the way he sings it. And every line seems to be impacting and hitting harder and seems to be going off even more and it just leads to all this madness at the end of the song this is nothing absolutely nothing like any daughter tag that you've ever heard oh no this this is better and look that's saying a lot because there are hundreds literally hundreds of of wma tags off of daughter that are excellent this beats them all i think i agree i mean up until you know we've seen some especially you know even some in this year that have been very very good and very very intense 
but I think I'm I'm with you. I think this is one of the top five or, or ten WMA tags on anything of all time. Like I love yeah, it just keeps ramping up in intensity and, and I, I even think it sounded a little bit like he surprised himself with how good it sounded and he really got into really locked in on it and was like they felt like they okay this really works because i would guess this is the first time that it's ever happened wma on porch i can't think of another one but yeah just amazing and mike you know smashes the guitar at the end giving yep. it the seal of approval there so yeah absolutely love this it's just masterful. That's all I really got to say about it. And it kind of, you know, stands in this moment that I don't think a lot of people talk about this because there's no perfect video. There's no perfect version of this. And give me a fault to this tomorrow, please. Well, of course. Yeah. You would absolutely love this show, but, oh, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And you almost don't want to come across another time where they do it off porch because it's this good here. So they always have a lot to say during WMA. I think with, you know, going back to mentioning David Gunn, everything was said that needed to be said. And that's where they walk off stage, say goodbye. The guitar gets smashed. And and now we're at the encore so we can pause for station identification. I think we might have to here just to cool off a little bit. So what's happening, John? I think we have had some Patreon episodes pretty recently, including the Dobbs show that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. We finally got a chance to go back to 1991 and actually cover a Matt Chamberlain show. Yeah. Yeah, highly. If you guys are on Patreon and you haven't got a chance to listen to that yet, definitely make some time to do that because it's a great show worth your time. And we were able to give the bootleg to everybody. I think we had some new people sign up that ended up getting the bootleg, right? Sure did. Yeah, they absolutely did. So thank you for those people signing up. There were two new patrons this week. And our brand new member of the Gigaleg tier is Marty Thomas. So thank you so much, Marty, for joining Thanks, up on Marty. Gigaleg. That means you get a request for the future for a future episode. And Scott D'Alfonso. And Scott has been uh, pretty active on our social medias a little bit on the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook. Yeah, yeah I've seen him. And, yeah, and he's friends with a pro wrestler or fo- former pro wrestler, I don't know what his current status is, that he might be bringing to Camden. And, and I said to him, like, oh, if you're coming with him, can he come tailgate with us? Because that would just be the coolest thing alive. So if we find ourselves with him, then we're definitely going to make mention of it because it would just be a very, very cool thing. But thank you to both Marty and Scott for joining up on Patreon. And hey, we are still looking to hit that goal. And it's about like four weeks away or so. We are almost at our 200th episode. And that's why we want to go 200 for 200. We are somewhere in the late 180s. We're like 187, 188. So give or take about. 12 more people to join along and it only takes one to move the train there so if you're interested if you're interested as as we said the 1991 the Dobbs show hey guess what for everybody that's been paying attention nothing man is literally going to happen by the time we record our next episode so we said let's get it in before the tour starts so everybody can kind of listen to it before other things kind of take over their lives and we're going to do it and it's going to happen very, very soon. And I know I've been promising that for a long time, but 
we're making good on it. We're finally making good on it. So, and it's going to be very good. The research has been a lot of fun. The research for all the evolution episodes have always been a lot of fun. So for anybody that hasn't joined, I know that we always get these new sprouts of people that listen to the podcast and listen kind of in not real time, but like close to when the episodes come out and just kind of keep up with what's going on now, but in the past might not know what we've done in the past. And we have 17 other evolution episodes that you can go on Patreon and go listen to. People have told us before, and and I think we stand by it, that I think it's the best thing that we do. We go through and we break down a whole entire song's evolution from how it was played live and and when it changed and when the fans made an impact on it and that's why nothing man is going to be a really really good one because there's a lot of ups and there's a lot of downs and and we're gonna have a lot of fun talking about that so if you're interested in that if you're interested in other evolution episodes featuring hard to imagine footsteps release present tense in my tree immortality rearview mirror these are like pearl jam's best of the best songs corduroy porch wash I can go on and on and on, Crazy Mary, but I'll probably sit here for another minute and not remember what the next one's going to be. That's how many we've done. So if you're interested in all that, it's patreon.com slash live on four legs, or Patreon has an app and you just search for it in the app store, just Patreon, just sign up there. We're available. It's just searching for live on four legs on the app, or you can help us get a hit on our website liveonfourlegs.com and on every page there is a become a patron button it's a big orange button right on the screen so if you want to help out help out the show and help out a lot of the tour expenses that are going to be happening then we'd 100 percent appreciate that even if it's just for one dollar a month you guys that have been donating that much have been special to us and everybody and above have just been great this has been a fun ride we just passed our four-year anniversary of being in existence, not the actual podcast episode, but being in existence. So yeah, there's a lot to think of right now. And and when we're out on tour, it'll, it'll be the official four years since we've released our first episode. So that'll go back and, and just have such a romanticized feel to it. So we'll, we'll talk about that as time goes on, but so you know, the, the magic of editing right here is that John and I just had a conversation for three minutes and you guys didn't even know about it. So we had a little powwow and we made a decision on something. So this is going to happen at the end of the week. John, you want to let them know for everybody that hasn't listened to an evolution episode before how they can listen to one on the main platform. Maybe. Yeah, so if you guys remember when we first started doing the evolution episodes, we put out the first one back in. God, 2019 when we started doing these but i think it's you know with with nothing man coming out and you know we you guys have had to wait for that one a little while we want to kind of build up some excitement for that and kind of give people a taste of of what they're going to hear so i think it's it's time for us to like go into the patreon vault and and unlock another one and you know give give everyone a chance here it's been long enough this one was released almost two years ago so I think we're going to go back and give everyone a chance to hear the rearview mirror evolution episode that we did back in 2020, which was just a lot of fun. Hopefully you guys will uh, check that out, get a taste of what the evolution series is about and maybe get us to that 200 uh, patron milestone that we're looking That's for. That's right. Yep. Hopefully that'll be enticing enough for you to want to join us. And get all the other evolution episodes. And yeah, trust me, I think if we're you like that one. There's a, there's a lot more. 
we're we're gonna go hard the end of the year too where you know we haven't done them a lot this year because of the other content and the recap shows and stuff like that but we're gonna go hard at the end of the year and get maybe like two or three more out so maybe even more who knows but yeah that's gonna be our priority along with some uh, 1991 episodes all right back to the rock and Ed says right off the bat, and look, if anybody was in the building the night prior, they know what this one is and now can kind of hear it again. It's going to be the second ever version of Spin the Black Circle. same way that not for you like really excited to play it it's different than not for you in a way that this one just works through the scenes a little bit more and not for you is a little bit more methodical in its building but you know it's so crazy that just listening to this the whole entire time because it's being this early it's just so crazy that this was once intentionally written to be a slower song because you'd never know it by listening to this yep fast and furious i mean Again, another one that just like not for you right from the very beginning was just blistering and just a different kind of energy i'm not saying there's not you know angry and fast stuff on versus because there absolutely is we talked about blood just a little while ago but the vitality stuff just has a different energy and a different kind of power behind it at these 94 shows than the old stuff did it just elevated performances i mean they're they're obviously excited to play new songs they're coming fast and furious and yeah spin the black circle just two minutes of fury gotta love it yep and it kind of fits into the whole vitalogy very very early on in 1994 and spin the black circle is going to be played six more times this year as well so not as much as not for you is not as much as a song like whipping is but it's it's getting its feet under you and for a lot of people that are going to some of these shows they're thinking they're like all right when's this next record coming out because that's one i want to hear again where can i hear that again so and to think of it both of these songs that that we cover here were singles not that it makes a difference because they never played those songs on the radio, but you know that just shows what they thought about the songs. Yep. Oh, I remember seeing that double A side, "Spin the Black Circle, Tremor Christ" at the record store, right at the counter, the little seven inch, and I was like, I didn't even have a record player at that point, but I was like, oh yeah, I'm buying that. <laughs> Ed mentions after Spin the Black Circle, if anybody was here last night, where were you this afternoon? Blah 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 blah. Beauty and the Beast. What? What's going on? I I could not tell. This was unintelligible to me. Yeah, I don't know. He wasn't enunciating enough for the the poor VHS microphone to pick it up. Yeah, I'm with you. I couldn't tell. All right, and onward we go to the upright bass section of Glorified G and Daughter. 
Mike and Stone sharing a mic to sing backups while Jeff is sitting with the upright bass and just bobbing along. Ed's voice really stretching on Glorified, and he's jumping around a ton too. Band is really, really into this, which a year later they would really, really not be into it. Different drummers kind of make for different feels, but another up-tempo, fast-paced version. And then getting into Daughter. Daughter was a very, very good version too, and that's going to have a versus tag on it just like Porch did. However, this is the first time and last time, I believe, that they ever tagged Daughter or anything else with rats. really well i don't know why they never went back to this it's a long rats tag he does a lot of lyrics here yeah gets really into it and he, again it it kind of builds as well it's got kind of that kind of seething tension in it you feel like it could they were so close to like really going for it and really pushing it but they kind of restrain themselves and that adds a lot of tension to it i thought it was really well done and even too, I think is it, I think it's after that that Ed kind of gets into doing like a mantra thing, like almost like a vocal like thing that we know now that he'll he'll do just kind of like explore his voice and and kind of do a chanting type of thing. But felt really unique here. Yeah, very very cool daughter tag on this. And you mentioned like all the lyrics coming in as well. What I what I noticed with this, just kind of like you know, in pretty normal WMA tag, is that they skip right over the chorus and just go from verse to verse to verse, and then hit a little bit of Ben at the end of that. It's just a another cool, really cool way to interpret another song of theirs in Daughter. And as we've seen recently, Daughter got that massive you know collection of verses tags on it. I believe it was Leash. And then, yeah, right. It was WMA, Leash, then Glorify G all together on it. So how many songs have been tagged off a daughter? The night before, it happened to be a future Vitalogy song. They tagged Satan's Bed off daughter. And it reminded me, too, of the, because, you know, you get the rats tag here. Reminded me of, obviously, anything, 1994, Atlanta kicks in my head when they tag Satan's Bed off of rats. So Mm. kind of 
little uh, little full circle there. Totally unexpected, but exceptional. Uh, Stone gets the mic and said, we've never actually played this song in its entirety, but we're going to try it tonight. Ed goes up and says, you guys have been great the last two nights. It's rock and roll, but you should be proud of the way that you handle themselves in this really nice theater. The whole thing last time when we were here, we were nervous and asked the security guards to get out of the very middle of the pit. They were trying to tell these kids to mellow out when you're really loud and they were screaming at these kids. You scream at them in the middle of the pit and they're going to want to hit you or something. They were just causing trouble anyway. They don't believe you guys can deal with it, but I think you've proven that you can. And now we get to the live debut of a song that we're familiar with. Because of what happened recently on the European tour, this came back for the first time in 735 shows. The Rolling Stones, Street Fight. This is the debut, but they've done it four times. They did it once more in Memphis, and then, of course, the two times that they did it very early on in Europe. I believe in Pink Pop, and then I believe shortly after that, one of those first week shows. But there's a lot going on here, so <laughs> where do we start? I think you got to start with Mike, because it's going to mostly be about Mike. Everybody knows that he's the Big Stones fan of the bunch, and you know, anytime that... Ed is singing the chorus. Mike sneaks in from side of him. And I don't think I've ever seen like Ed and Mike share a mic this, this early like this. Like yeah, it, it doesn't it, happen very often. Yeah. No, because Mike doesn't even usually get a mic at his side. He's just kind of like off and doing his own thing. And he's not the McCree, the showman that he obviously is now, but it's his band. It's his song. So it's kind of like a living dream being able to, you know, rock the solo on this and go and, and sing the lyrics with Ed. And he just kind of slips in every time that, that hits. And, it's very good like the performance is very good it's going to go on for a very very long time there's going to be a big jam and maybe the jam while very very good there's a little dueling blues jam in this maybe the jam is secondary huh yeah yeah and i think you know you mentioned mike coming out and, and helping out on vocals i think that was it looked like ed wasn't sure i think it was the second verse where ed really wasn't sure he kind of like lost the lyrics a little bit and Mike comes over and like you can see Ed kind of look at his mouth and be like oh, okay I, I, I gotcha so I think kind of helps him out there but yeah at the very beginning it starts out like pretty straight like Stone's into it Mike's into it they're kind of playing through the song and they get to the jam and just the rails come off completely like <laughs> this show takes an abrupt left turn like 
This has been a pretty serious, intense 1994 Pearl Jam show. It's been very good up here. There's been some some good performances. You know, we, we covered a lot of those, you know, European 1992 shows where it was just drunken chaos half the time. But this kind of degenerates very, very quickly, and it all starts when Stone's pants come off. For anybody that's listening and, and listening to, to you build that moment, they're probably like, oh, man, what happened? What happened? What happened? Oh, Stone's pants came off. Oh, they do. okay. It's, he's, it, he's wearing those classic 90s baggy shorts. I think he's up by the drums and just bouncing and doing the stone leg kicks and the leg rocking, and the, the pants just couldn't take it. Yeah, which kind of leads to more chaos on yeah, stage he, because he doesn't panic to his credit he just kind of gives a little smirk and like keeps on keeps on playing like that was just weird old stone at the time bit. yeah just weird old stone at the time he's yeah. he's making these faces all throughout too and and he's just so much fun to watch the whole entire time you mentioned that the cameraman is focused on stone for a lot of this and you know he was just having fun during this and thankfully he was he was right on stone when when he caught him you yeah. know pantsless but there's another guy in the band that's more known for being pantsless. Am I correct here? Correct. And I think, you know, what what happens is, like, there's a little bit of a play-by-play on this on, on Five Horizons. So going back and reading that, you kind of were familiar a little bit of this. But I hadn't, I don't, I don't know that I'd ever gone back and watched this video up until this week. But, yeah, there's a moment where I think after that, something clicks in Ed's mind. And he goes, oh... If pants are coming off, Mike is going to be next. So he takes it on himself to go grab some gaffer's tape or duct tape, runs over to Mike, and starts taping the waistband of his pants and the guitar around him, like as if to say, like, nope, not you tonight. These are staying on. Right at the, the top of his knees, wraps it around a little more, like, nope, these are staying on. And, you know, Mike is doing his best to try and, and, and keep the song going. But when he goes over back to his side of the stage, he ends up, you know, falling over. And then it just, we're in the middle of it now. We're into Pearl Jam shenanigans here. Yeah. And for anybody that's listening to this and saying, boy, this sounds awfully familiar. It's kind of like one of those fallen shows, like we mentioned yeah. before, that we did back in February and March. And there was a show where he was just butt naked and just ran around stage like that. And it was, I'm sure, during I've Got a Feeling. And this performance and this whole idea of what's happening here is kind of like what happened in those legendary versions of I Got a Feeling back in 1992, going back to, to Den Hog, obviously, being the most infamous one. But, yeah, like, it's <laughs> he's, yeah. he's butt naked for about three seconds, and then camera pans over to Jeff and Ed just kind of, you know, jamming with, with Dave and taking some sticks and, and bouncing off of his, his toms and his cymbals over there. But it's utter chaos. It's utter chaos, man. Like somehow Ed pulls out a Bill Clinton mask, and my first instinct in this is, oh shit, they're doing Bush Leaguer because you see like a a former president mask, and immediately the first thing you think is George Bush. But yeah, just a fun moment, but just insane. It kind of felt like it almost didn't happen because there's talking about the actual song after the kind of duct tape all the instruments kind of drop out and it's just Dave 
yeah. playing the beat, and you're like, okay, well, this is going to end. Like, they're done. But Dave just doesn't stop. So right. then they all kind of come back, and Ed goes back to the to the drum kit and picks up the mallets and is kind of hitting on some toms there. And then it's just, yeah, then, then the chaos starts. Like, I think at one point Mike tries to go pull Jeff's pants off. <laughs> Jeff pretends to, like, cut Mike's hair. He has, like, some uh. scissors, and he's going to, like, cut his hair. But, yeah, it's just there's to have having fun with it. And then, yeah, like you mentioned, like, near the very end, the Clinton mask comes out. And you're like, did he just have that hanging around backstage just for a random occasion? And you're like, okay, well, this is going to be the end of the show. Like, there's no way they can pick back up and, like, keep playing after this. But they do. I have to mention in this little jam section here, probably when they came back and started playing again when Dave was kind of taking over, is that if you listen to it, it's working off of the rhythm of another Rolling Stones song. And it just kind of caught my eye because this is one of my favorite Stones songs of all time. And that's the song Can't You Hear Me Knocking. And okay. yeah, like it just has that kind of the ending part, that little dun 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 they, they do that here. And I'm working very, very hard to make sure that it gets into live footsteps as a legit tag or tease. So we'll, we'll get it in the concertpedia someday. Yeah, when, when we get to 1994, but, you know, we're still working on 2013. Sure. So. All right, you're going to end your night with Rockin' in the Free World and Indifference. And, yeah, like, I think Rockin' in the Free World is kind of an extension a little bit of what's happening in Street Fighting Man. Like, there's a point where Ed's sort of looking into the crowd, and there's one point where he's looking at somebody's point out and says, last song, leave her alone, leave her alone. And it's just fun, like... You know, the camera pans around too, and you actually get to see some of the faces of of the crowd members here. Did oh, Denver teenagers in 1994? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, a lot of Carhartt, and you get to see somebody that you almost never get to see on camera. That's right. Anytime, and that's our good friend Brett Eliason. Yep, hanging out right by the board there. Gives a little wave to the camera. Gives a little shout out, and then yeah, pretty cool. But you kind of mentioned too, I think there were some security issues, I think, here too. Like he's telling the security, hey, back off. This is the last song. Let them do what they want. Leave them alone. And he's still aware of that issue here and is making sure that the crowd's taken care of. Because I wonder how close it came to kind of like the security, you know, kind of getting loose and taking out somebody. Or if there's chaos on stage, there's going to be chaos in the crowd, especially yep. in the pit. Mm-hmm. So, that was a good call to be like and i've heard bands do this before where it's like hey guys show's almost over like it's okay we're good like let them do what they want yeah so yeah that's that's good crowd control on its part there well they can't all be the guy with binoculars yes the guy with binoculars was (laughs) right next to the soundboard he was making sure he didn't he 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 saw mike's ass and he was like oh i gotta make sure i got (laughs) i get a close-up on this one Don't want to miss anything. Yeah, right. All right. The last one that's going to close it out is Indifference, which actually ended up opening the night before. Yeah, Indifference brings up a unique trivia question. Yeah, what's up? Have they ever bookended a a two-night or a three-night stay in a city with the same song? No, I doubt it. That's got to be unique. Well, they had a chance to do it in Oakland because Rockin' in the Free free world. World, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think they, they closed the second night out with Baba. Right. 
But yeah, Indifference opens night one and closes night two. Yeah, I, I highly doubt. I highly doubt within what they have for openers that are usually in their arsenal, releases never right. closed a show. Um, it came close to closing a show. I believe it was that Sweden 1992 one, but I I can't even think of what would be possible to do that because yeah, that's a good that's a good trivia question. It is. It is. Yeah. Hold on to that one. Well, this version, I think, also you have to think of the versions of Indifference at the time much more stark and weren't exactly like what they would become and what you know of it now. But this right here has a little bit of that personality a little bit more of the way that it's been popularized today that's kind of more of a sing-along and we see a lighter being held up and like it, it's I, I thought that this was a good version of indifference and kind of showed that this side is not necessarily a depressing song as maybe it would come off on the album and and they could do other things with it it's just a weird transition from the kind of like drunken chaos of street fighting yeah a little bit rocking the free world and then you're gonna like get really kind of emotional and like you said stark with indifference it's it's a little weird but like you said and it is what it is and indifference it wasn't what it is now then they kind of did the same thing again a broken record they're gonna going back to atlanta after all that the shenanigans in atlanta they ended up closing with indifference so that's what they were into at the time and 10 years later, they would go on to perfect that party atmosphere and it would feel any time that they would close with Ledbetter, Indifference, it doesn't matter. Like everything yeah. would feel like a party. So not there at this point just yet in the very early onset of the career, but it would come. Obviously, we all know that. All right. Picking three moments from this set. There's a lot of obvious ones. And if we pick the obvious ones, then that's OK. But you're going first this week. Oh, the yeah. Easy. Number three, Blood. Uh, number two, porch. Number one, not for you. Yeah, I'm actually at number three, daughter. Number two, porch. Number one, not for you. And honorable mention to Street Fighting Man because it's just so chaotic and ridiculous. But yeah, not for you. I believe like in the last like three months, anytime we've had it in a set, one of us has had it as our top song. Yeah, yep. we'd have to f- figure out numbers on that. I don't think we've ever done that before, have we? I don't think so. No. Would be interesting to know. Yeah. Would be very interesting to know. That'll be that'll be something for the last when we finish up. We'll 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 tag them all up and see how <laughs> see how it played out. Yeah. Right. Like what songs? What people took what songs? And yeah, there'll be stats on that for sure. I'll I'll, I'll have time to do that. Twenty forty one when we finish the show. <laughs> okay. Well. Let's give it a, a rating and, and wrap that part up because we do keep the ratings kind of chronalized. So why don't we do that here? Like I said, I, I love 1994 as a tour year for them. This little run of shows in the spring is absolutely one of my favorite little legs of a tour that they've ever done. So I'm not going to give any of them anything but very, very good ratings. This one gets a nine and a half. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And here's my thing. And I've mentioned this on the podcast before. If I'm ever recommending bootlegs to somebody to go listen to, I want them to sound good. I want them to be approachable. That has nothing to do with how good the show is, nothing to do with how my interpretation of the show was, because I love this. This was awesome. And the only thing is like, 
I wish I could have listened to something in much. Uh, you could say that about any show. You'd rather listen to it in better condition. And that's just not the case with this. So, yeah, that's the difference between making this a 9.5 and a 9. But this is a very strong 9. Like, don't get me wrong here. This is a very, very good show and, and deserves to be in an upper echelon and deserves to be talked about. And I think, for the most part, when you're thinking about the Not For You debut, that's this is what comes up here. So you think of Denver. So, yeah, it is a show that maybe gets talked about a little more than some of the other ones in 1994. But if it had a pristine bootleg, if it had something even like... You complete, know, like complete. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Like, if it had three songs that we're missing here, then yeah, I, I'd definitely heavily consider this as a nine and a half, but just a little step down. That's not a negative part on it, but the show is fantastic. It gets a nine. Okay. All right. Hopefully, for everybody that is going to Denver, that kind of whetted your appetite for what kind of show that that's going to be. And yes, we will get to the 2014 Denver show at some point in the future. Couldn't tell you when, but that's up for you guys to decide. If you want to request an episode, that's all joining up on Patreon, either the giga leg tier or the horizon leg tier. So if you want to be a part of that, you know how to join the platform next week. Oh, next week we're going to have a show. We're going to have a show, and this show is going to prep you for that show. So the first show on the docket, Quebec City. They've only played Quebec City twice, I think. I think they've played it twice because I think they went to it in 2005. But also 2016 is the one that's more recent, and that's the one that we're going to be doing. The set list is great. There's a lot of important and exciting stuff that happens in this one. And I won't be speaking any French. I don't know about you, John, but... Do a little French. Can, uh, you know a little French? I'm, I'm not Aurelian, but I took, I took a few years <laughs> of French. Of course, yeah. Of course, we'd have to rely on him for, for all that. Yeah. But just getting ready for the shows. And yeah, it's just going to be a treat when they come. And this one is going to just prep you for the first night. And coming out on Wednesday... The, the show happening on Thursday. Hopefully you get, especially the, all of you that are going to Quebec are just getting that, oh, that just anticipation and building that anticipation. Hopefully these are working for you in that regard. So, all right, nothing left to be said here. Just enjoy your time right now because it's getting to that point. It's getting to that burst of the bubble and we're just going to melt once it does happen. So, this is it. This is the end. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already. Miss you always. Hey, are you subscribed to us anywhere? Are you subscribed on Apple? Are you subscribed on Spotify? Well, look, last week we said if you guys end up listening to the show this late in the game, then thank you. And you guys deserve a prize. And the prize is, is that if you go on Apple and rate us five stars and leave a comment and show us that you left a comment, then we will send you a bootleg that we have in our collection. One of your choice, one of our choice. It doesn't matter. We will reward you for doing something nice for us. So if that's something that you're interested in, all you got to do is leave a comment, let people know why you listen to this show and why they should turn themselves on to us. So, yeah, that's all you got to do. And hopefully you get something nice out of that afterwards. So Pretty good. I might do it if there's a bootleg I'm missing. 
Yeah, <laughs> I don't have anything that you don't have. <laughs> let's let's just put it that way. So, all right. Thanks everybody for tuning in, and we'll see you next week for Quebec City. My body's nobody's body, but mine.